Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Chris Kaufman. Thanks for being on the show, Chris. Thank you, Whitney. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to hear Chris's story. I've heard he has a very interesting story about how he got into this real estate business, but we're going to hear more about it in a minute. But he first, he worked at Franklin and Marshall College on the facilities and operations team. He had to sit in the back of a box truck driving around campus completing work orders. That was from 2008 to 2017. He got started in real estate in 2012 for purchasing his first single-family home with cash using a line of credit on his personal residence and grandma's money, he says. Joined forces with lifelong friend Dan Gottwalt in 2015, creating a partnership, Firm Foundations LLC, which propelled them forward within the industry. By the end of 2017, he had worked himself out of a job. That's uh, Most listeners are dreaming about that day, right? But to date, they've obtained over 100 doors of multifamily, flipped over 40 residential properties, and are currently developing a large-scale office building in downtown Lancaster. Most of this being done in the back of a box truck during off-peak hours working for the college. Strong suits are negotiation, underwriting the deal, and he understands the fair market value of a project before and after completion. So, Chris, thank you so much for your time being on the show. I've enjoyed our our conversation just before we even got started as well. But give the listeners a little more about you, and let's get right into how you got started. Sure. Yeah. So, basically, I was working for a college, working for Franklin and Marshall College, and I'd always had a passion for being able to find... I would buy things. Like, there was... I had my own Lego business, buying used Legos and reselling them to people who wanted to buy Legos. So, I'd buy low, sell high. And there was always, I always had a passion to find things, buy low, sell high, and in negotiating the deal. And I started thinking about what's something that I could buy low and sell high and probably make the most money at and have the most flexibility of my time. And re- I fell into real estate. So I commissioned myself to start learning real estate. And I was the lowest man on the totem pole with the crew that I was on in the college. So I sat in the back of a box truck for the better part of 10 years as we went from work order to work order. And if there weren't any work orders, I sat back there doing nothing all day. And so I basically learned real estate in the back of that box truck, everything I could from, you know, wholesaling to flipping to syndication, anything that I could saturate myself with to learn real estate. I did that for four years in the back of the box truck. And then I started negotiating deals in the back of that box truck, which was not always fun. I mean, we negotiated by the time I was reaching the end of my career with Franklin Marshall, I was negotiating million dollar deals in the back of a box truck. And I remember my the people I worked with would just kind of look in the back of the box truck as I'm back there negotiating and just have this look of what in the world am I doing back there. But I did that, I think, for about four years at Franklin and Marshall. And then I worked myself out of a job, basically how that happened. It was just constant deal negotiation in the back of the box truck. And then I had a business partner who I kind of signed on with, who is Dan Gottwalt. I think he might be on your show at a later date. But he, we had complementing problems. See, I was able to find deal flow but I literally was only making about $30,000 a year. So I had no money. Okay. And Dan, my business partner was, he was great. He is a people person, 100%. He had raised, well, I know he had $300,000 just on a handshake. I mean, he had $300,000 just sitting there on a handshake that he had to place. And so we had complementing problems. I had a few deals under contract with no way to 
finance them. And he had $300,000 and the rest is history. I mean, we kind of formed a partnership, firm foundations, like you had said, was our original LLC, came together and first deal went great. Uh, it was a couple flip properties. And then from there, we just kept growing. Wow. So I wanted to back up just a little bit, you know, in the back of that box truck, you know, I mean, you just used your time wisely, right? I mean, you started educating yourself. You had some downtime. You're even getting paid during that time. And so you are, you know, you're using that time. And and so tell me, how was the best way that you educated yourself during that time? Podcasts, YouTube videos. I'm sure I ran across your podcast, Whitney, at some point or fashion. Uh, I was listening to everything that I could listen to, I was listening to back there. So podcasts, YouTube videos, I was reading books. Obviously, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was an amazing foundational book that, you know, not much nuts and bolts, but it was definitely something that kind of got you motivated that I'm sure everybody's talked about on this show. You know, Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller was another big one. But essentially, podcast, to be honest with you, that really got me kind of going and propelling me forward. Yeah, Millionaire Real Estate Investor, obviously, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I've heard them numerous times. Yeah, the, the Millionaire Real Estate Investor, I, I need to get that myself. <laughs> I have not read that one yet. Great book. That definitely with more nuts and bolts. Once you read that, it gives you more of the information you're seeking if you're into nuts and bolts. It's not just theoretical. Yep. I wanted to ask you about this partnership as well. And, you know, a partnership is something that, you know, I've seen done wrong so many times. I've done it wrong, you know, and, you know, and I feel like I've done it better recently, a lot better, but it come from, you know, some learning some things the hard way. And so, you know, to elaborate, I guess, on, you know, how you all knew, I know you said you all had complementary skills, which is great, but how did you know that, okay, you know, this is because it's, it's like a marriage. And so how did you know, okay, this is what we need to do. And then I'd love for us to elaborate on just really how that propelled you forward. So Dan Gottwald, who is my business partner, he was my brother's best friend growing up. So I actually knew him. He went to the same school. You know, it's not like I just met this guy and I didn't have any idea of who he was. I knew who he was. So I knew his character. It's very important to know whoever you're going into business with, you have to know their character. And also the stars got to align. Their same life goals need to be aligned. And I think that's uh, huge. Dan has five children. I have three children, all young kids. Family is the most important to us. So that aligns perfectly. You don't have somebody who's driving hard to get all of this work done. You know, our goals are the same. So you're absolutely right. It is a marriage. There is no... I've seen, even in the short time we've been part, I think we've been partners five years, well, since 2012, whatever that is. We've seen so many partnerships that were good partnerships just kind of collapse and implode. And if you go into it knowing that it's a marriage and it's sort of like that, it's similar to marriage. I mean, you can go into a marriage and it could be perfect, but there's always going to be a time when you get to that point where it's, you know what, I got to sacrifice here. There's a sacrifice that's made to keep things successful. And with our partnership, that's what it is. It's us knowing our strong suits, but knowing that we're in it for the long haul. We're together. Like when we're together, we're better. And that's what it is. And if it wasn't for Dan, I'll say this to him because I'm sure he's going to listen to this. If it wasn't for him, I would not be where I am today. And that's a successful partnership. It's If you're better together, then you got to do whatever it takes to stay together and keep pushing forward. So our growth goals are the same. I don't know if that lends itself to it. There's no science to it. It's just, it's really just pushing. Yeah. No, it's, you know, you just mentioned you've known him for a long time, but either way you have to know his character and that's, yeah, so important. And as much as, you know, you all having complementary skills, you talk about you're much further along because of, you know, partnering with him. And is there any, anything that's like, you talked about how it's propelled you all forward. You know, would you say it's because you all are, are able to like, you know, split the tasks and you're able to focus over here and he's able to focus on that or, 
or, you know, just because you got each other to bounce ideas off of, what's a few things that's like, you know, that partnership's really made the difference? What we've seen is yes to your question. It is because of what we can push and pull back and forth. I mean, you're in it together. If a place burns down, you're together. It's not just me. That helps with stress immensely. <laughs> but what I've seen in having a partnership, and this is for the people out there that don't have a partnership, is people take you seriously. If you have a successful partnership and you guys click together, that's in whenever you're networking, whatever you're doing, both Dan and I, we feed off of each other and people take notice. It's tremendously helped us in deal flow. It's helped us in capital raising because whenever you're in a partnership, even investors, even in syndication, people look at that and they say, wow, these guys have made it. They like each other. They like being around each other still. It goes a long way when you're raising money because they think if you're able to do that, it just gives you credit. That's all I'll say. I don't know. It's given us major dividends in being in a partnership in our networking. That's interesting. And I've never heard anybody take that turn on it or say that. That's really interesting. Yeah. And it's something that you're bigger than you're just you as well. You're a company and that's awesome. So I'd like to dive in a little bit into part of your bio that talked about understanding fair market value before and after completion. Would you elaborate on that, why that's important and, and maybe how we could do the same? So it's important because it doesn't matter what you're doing. It could be a flip. I always tell people, you know, we've, Dan and I have kind of been all over the board with our deals. So we've done flips residentially and we've done flips on a multifamily basis, whether it's 20 or 30 units. So knowing the value of what you're looking at is paramount, right? So if you're looking at a flip, you got to know the value of what that flip is after you complete the renovation. If you're looking at multifamily, you got to know what rents are market-wise, and you got to know what they can be. Can you push the rents? Can you do some little things here and there to help the value of that property and then resell it later by raising rents or minimizing expenses? So if you're going to learn something, if you're just getting into this, if you're just getting into syndication, or you're going to be a sponsor, that's the biggest thing you can learn is what is the value of that property now, and what is it whenever we're done with it, whether it's a one-year term to five-year terms to 10-year terms. You got to know what the value is going to be. Awesome. Very important. And, you know, I guess, how are you determining, you know, what the value is going to be, you know, now as opposed to, you know, at the completion, you know, or when we're going to sell it? So mainly it's just, we do a lot of research on the front end. I'm trying to give you an example. We just had a building come to completion, 25 units. We bought it three years ago. The landlord was paying for all utilities. And the rents, it was all twos and two and three bedrooms. And the rents were about anywhere from two to $300 under market. Okay. So we bought into that at, I think, a nine cap. It was right around there. We bought into it at a nine cap. So that was kind of a no brainer because no matter what, there's not too much downside. I mean, even if you fail miserably, you're still going to make money. So, but that's generally just looking at it. I mean, you could, we could have bought that at a six cap and probably done really well for ourselves. But it's knowing, you know, all that we had to do was go in there. And I knew what the market rents were. We went in, we renovated each apartment. I think we put about four to 5,000 into each apartment. And you know, we bought that whole place. I think we bought it for 525,000. That's 25 units and sold it for, let's say 1.1 million in three years. That's a small one, but it's knowing, you know, whenever you get into multifamily and you're getting into syndication, it's not necessarily like a residential property. You're not looking at what the market's just paying for one little house. You're looking at, what are the rents? What are the expenses? And that's where you can really play around. Like it's where you can have a lot of fun because if you can uh, minimize expenses, we put all the utilities back on the tenant. We raised rents about 200 bucks a month by renovating the apartment. I mean, that plays a huge factor in the value of that building. 
So I don't know if that answers the question there, Whitney. Okay. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that sounds like a fabulous deal. You know, I wanted to ask you also, I know you're part of the partnership is deal making and negotiations. You know, and so I guess what are some keys, some tips that you have for the actual deal making and negotiations? Some maybe some things that we experience every day that, you know, you can help us kind of get through to to negotiate a better deal. I'll give you maybe one that's never been heard of because it happened to me. So there there's a particular realtor that I was dealing with who would be silent on the other end of the line. I would kind of call him to kind of go over price and terms on a building and he wouldn't say anything. He literally would be silent. And I can't take that. I would sit there and just start rambling. And I literally would just ramble and, you know, that $1 million offer would start increasing. It would go up to, well, that 1 million, it could probably be a million, you know, we could probably hit a million fifty, you know, maybe 1.1 million. And he would just be silent until he kind of got the most out of me that he could. And I took that. And to this day, I'm like, you know what? If somebody's going to be silent on the other line, I will be silent. It's constant learning. You know, you can, you know, negotiation is a science. It's a game, so to speak. So you just kind of, what I would encourage anybody that's getting into it is know your numbers, go in there with your numbers, but also know that some of these guys on the other line, are, they're sharks, man, and they know what they're doing. And you got to go in there and, you know, that's just one thing that people can employ is just being silent. But if somebody's silent, you know, just let them wait till they talk. Just let it be awkward. That's what I would say. I'm trying to think of other things in negotiation. It's really, Again, Whitney, like I said, it's, it's knowing your numbers. If you know your numbers, it's not that hard. It's not that difficult as long as you stick with them. Can you hear me? That silence was on purpose. Good oh, job. Oh, man. <laughs> See? See, I spoke. I should have just sat here. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Uh, and I've heard of that tactic before, and I've seen it used. And it, it is. And most people are very uncomfortable with any kind of silence. They have to talk, right? And it's neat that you, you, know, you felt it used on yourself, and now you... You're very aware of that. So, yeah, watch out for the silence, right? <laughs> you got me. I thought my audio went out there. Anyway. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Chris, what's been the, I guess, the most difficult part of this, like the syndication journey for you? The most difficult part, honestly, is just ensuring that your investors are protected. Your investors are the gold, right? So you've got to protect it. And I, you know, we want to work with these guys in the future. We don't want it to be something that they never work with us again. So it's really, you know, having quarterly reports, huge, and making sure they get paid first every time, no matter what. And that'll pay dividends in the future. I mean, we're working on a project, like I said, in downtown Lancaster, where, you know, we weren't going to pay our investors. I think we had given them 18 months before payment started, and we were able to push that up to six months into it. So they were extremely satisfied. And it's always, the more you can give back, you know, kind of like what you do with LifeBridge Capital, the more you can give back, it pays huge dividends. And I don't know how else to, you know, if there's so many people out there in the world that can take, 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 and they still make tons of money, how much more if we're giving back is, are we going to be rewarded? You know what I mean? That's kind of how I look at it. So it's just giving as much as you can, make sure your investors get paid. I'm a firm believer in just doing those things. If you're persistent, rewards will follow. No, I like that. And the first thing you mentioned, you know, ensuring your investors are protected. And so, you know, I hear all the time, you know, in the quote, you know, the marketing quote, how are you ensuring your investors are protected? Or maybe give us a couple examples. So our investors ensuring like, so the current project that we did, we just have LPs. So we didn't do a PPM or anything like that. They're LPs in the business and they got, you know, a chunk of equity, but then they also get a return on their money monthly. So you know, we're the sponsors. We signed on the dotted line. So they're, the only money they're at risk is the money that they put into the deal. 
So that's huge. But it's constant, you know, I think the quicker we can pay them off and they just get to their equity stake is kind of what we're aiming for. So it's constantly just trying, you know, if you don't have to take that money as the sponsor and you can just keep giving it back to the investor, get them paid off, get them out, you know, just so that all they have in that deal is their equity, they're going to come back to you and say, hey, let's go find that next deal. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how we protect them. You know, we're in the risk business. That's what we do, right? So you can't protect everything. There's always a chance that something's going to go south. But the more that you can limit that risk for your investor and say, hey, I'm paying you first as much as I can, and I don't need this money right now as the sponsor, that's kind of how we do it. We just limit it that way. So, and you can make money, as you know, in syndication, you make money in fees, management fees, managing this, you know, the sponsorship, whatever. So, you know, we're still making some money. It's just not as much as our investors. And that is okay. That's the way it goes. So what's your best advice for caring for investors outside of what we mentioned? What's the top thing that you do to, to care for them? Communication, at least with the investors we've had so far. Now, as we grow, this probably isn't going to be a possibility as much. I don't know. But we really do get on a friendship level with our investors and we communicate constantly. Even the passive investors will occasionally say, hey, is this something we could throw out to the investors and let them choose? You know, let them be part of the deal, get them active. You know, the more you can communicate with them, if things ever go south, they're going to trust you and they're going to trust that you did everything possible to make sure that they didn't lose their money. And what's a way that you've recently improved your business that we could all apply to ours? Recent way I have improved our business. I would honestly say networking. We didn't network a whole lot. I think both Dan and I, Dan knows a lot of people. So he had a lot of people in his pocket, so to speak. And we haven't had the need to do that. But as we're growing, we're thinking really big here. We're looking at syndicating some much larger deals. And the networking aspect, I'm starting to realize how much networking plays a part. Let's be honest. That's why you're doing this show. It's a networking tool. You know what I mean? So networking is huge. So Overall, that value, you know, we've been going to seminars for the past six months, not long, but I've seen the benefit of the networking that we've done, even in getting on a podcast, evidently. So, and so what's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Ooh, number one thing that's contributed, in all honesty, I would say our belief system. Both Dan and I, we do have a belief system. We believe in God. I believe that his favor has been on us. We also, the biggest thing to the success has been what I talked about, our partnership. I've just seen, again, so many things, so many opportunities come out of our partnership. So that would be the number one thing. Nice. Chris, you know, how do you like to give back? Both Dan and I have large aspirations. We do like to give to missions. I actually really value what you do, Whitney. You know, I know my wife and I are contemplating adoption. We'll see, you know, I don't know, from the time you contemplate till actual fruition, I don't know how long that takes, but we're seeing how long that takes. But, uh, primarily it's it's in little ways that we give back you know i you can pay it forward in any way you want to pay it forward whether that's buying a meal for somebody out there you know whenever you're at a business meeting whatever you know and we do a lot anonymously which we find great reward in it'll come back to you i fully believe that the more you pay it forward it'll come back so yeah it's little ways here and there thanks for sharing that chris and tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you so our email is foundationalinvestors at gmail.com you can reach me there. You can also reach me on Bigger Pockets. I am still on Bigger Pockets. I still utilize that here and there. And that's pretty much it. We don't even have a website, believe it or not, but it's foundationalinvestors at gmail.com or on Bigger Pockets. Nice. Chris, thank you so much for your time and sharing your expertise. And I just really appreciate how you've shared and what you've learned and even 
even the importance of uh, watching that silence, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thank you again. And appreciate the listeners being with us today and every day. I hope you all be back tomorrow. I hope you're learning from the show and sharing it. And I'd also appreciate a rating and review. But to go to LifeBridge Capital, also connect with me. I'm happy to help you if I can. Go to the Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show, and we will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.